You're checking out the Nifty Q Show. All right. Good morning. Good evening. Good night. Welcome into the Nifty Q Show. We're interviewing influential founders, leaders, and people in the NFT industry. Today, I'm sitting with Golden Cross co-founder of Avagachi. Uh, we'll be talking in depth about the latest updates coming to the platform, how to successfully merge NFTs and DeFi, a primer on the upcoming release of the Gachiverse, and much more. Listen, uh, Golden Cross, you're the first uh, one to take an interview from the car, man. And I know we're going to get some spotty Wi-Fi here, but we're going to have ourselves a good time, too. So uh, how are you doing today? Doing great, Nifty Q. And um, yeah, it's good to be back. First time on the new program. And um, yeah, first time broadcasting out of the car. So hope the hotspot holds up and everything. We're we're on the move always here at Avogachi. So. Absolutely. You had a busy day, man. You guys had some Twitter spaces. There's a lot of releases to talk about as well. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on here. So I, I there's a, there's just a lot going on, especially our two t-shirts, by the way. You mentioned to, to point that out prior to the episode. Yeah, I swear. So for the record, before anybody gets ahead of it, we'll, we'll just be up front. We did not coordinate. <laughs> we're just two fashionable <laughs> guys. <laughs> we lo- it's not even Flannel Friday and we're wearing our flannels here. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to call you Jesse so bad, but Golden Cross, I will stick to it. How does it feel to be like the most undervalued project in the space? And I love having you guys on. Your community is amazing. But right off the bat, man, how does it feel to be the most slept on project in the entire space? It is an interesting place to be. I, I do wake up every day feeling like everybody else is still sleeping, but we're just so excited about what we're building out. And I think the proof is in the pudding, right? The last year and a half of what we've built it's kind of like layers on a cake. Like we started with this granular concept of what a better NFT pet could be. And then that was the beginning of Avogachi, this idea of staking collateral inside your NFT and um, being able to benefit from the yield directly from a crypto pet. That's what Avogachi originally was. And over the last year and a half, I feel like we've uh, pushed through the white paper and the roadmap. And now we're at a place where um, we're ready to launch the Gachiverse, and so you're right. Just earlier today, we did a Twitter Spaces because of a the one year anniversary of the Avagachi NFTs going live on the Polygon network, and so big celebration. A lot of the OGs came on. A lot of the different guilds that are getting ready for the Gachiverse, and they already are collecting their Gachis and their different wearables for the gameplay. So there's like a lot to be excited about right now. It's just this this snowball effect that just keeps building and you know for some maybe um there's a lot of bright shiny things out there in the space but um we're just so proud of what we've built and and we see it growing every day with more and more people coming on board and um that's the cool thing right we've now got it to a point where whether you're interested in the avagachi itself kind of the intrinsic game um that's one way to interact with the avagachi protocol but it really is more like a protocol now there's multiple dApps, multiple NFT projects, uh, including the Gachiverse, of course, which is more like a metaverse, proper DeFi RPG. We're just weeks away from that going live, by the way. So for anybody tuning in and they're like, you know, Avagachi is cool, but like it's expensive and all that. The Gachiverse brings a lot of new ways to get involved and even for free with little cost to no cost. So hopefully we can get into some of that today because I think that's the alpha for your audience. They're looking for, you know, an entry point that's risk-free. I'm very happy to say we've developed a way to do that. Imagine the sharing economy or an Uber ride, uh, but for your NFT. So you're going to rent an Avogachi or just borrow an Avogachi and uh, go play to earn in the Gachiverse. 
So it's it's exciting. Tons of things moving right now. One of the things that stands out to me with Avogachi is how quickly you guys move into what is on the fringe. Uh, so lending is another thing you guys are getting into, of course. Basically, people are kind of just making their way into maybe offering native lending. And you guys are all the way kind of you know, ready to roll out that product. Same thing happened with interoperability when you guys moved to Polygon as well. I want to give a personal thank you for that as well. You got me involved in Polygon when you guys made that bridge. Uh, and that was an amazing experience uh, to kind of interact with Polygon for the first time through Gachi. So, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on what you guys have from an update perspective, but let's get a little bit of your background, man. Uh, as we go, actually, no, wait, I want to talk about Kevin Pixelmon. What is happening in the space right now? Golden Cross, what, what is going on with all of this? Like, give me a state of the union of the <laughs> NFT space from your, from your perspective. Yeah. The state of the union is strong for NFTs, but a little wild. There's a lot, there's a lot of noise out there. And, um, as far as the Pixelmon, I have not had time to get personally involved in it, but I've seen like, like Coder Dan, my co-founder, follow him on Twitter. He was tweeting about this Kevin thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's entertaining. It's, it's fascinating. Um, the latest chapter in, in, you know, NFTs. So, um, no, I, I can't comment too much on that particular case, but when I look around, I see a ton of metaverse games coming out, uh, or being announced or promised by different PFPs. It's like you had your PFPs and now they're trying to offer more utility. Uh, for sure. Some of them will succeed. Uh, but I think the majority of what we see out there today is pretty frothy. There's a lot of teams that don't have the uh, bandwidth, the expertise, um, not to say they don't have good intentions to deliver what needs to be delivered. So that list to me, I'm always, you know, it's going to be shorter than than it is long. And so without naming particular names and stuff, I just say, you know, always do your due diligence. Um, there's hype. There's a lot of hype. And then there's teams that actually build and ship. And that's where Pixelcraft Studios, that's our company building on the Avogachi protocol. I like to think we've done a pretty good job of delivering what we promise, not over promising and uh really embracing like our goal is just to embrace web3 in every way so maybe you get some of that with different nft projects but there's very few that um are like ours where we're like you said playing with the fringes if there's a new standard that comes out we want to find a way to incorporate into avogachi so that our community has a reason and, a, and an opportunity to experiment and use that new standard so that's why we we don't just use erc20 and 721 but we actually use like 998 to do composability of NFTs so you can equip one NFT to another NFT. That's, uh, you mentioned the bridging. We're very early on the bridging thematic. And um, this lending thing is going to be huge because uh, I can't understate it, over, overstate enough. Like once you're able to lend Avogachis to one another to go play to earn in a, a place where there's tokens to be earned, multiple types of tokens, um, that friction is gone accessibility goes way up and then suddenly um you as the gachi owner you might play with it for you know jump in the game for a couple hours but there's 24 hours in a day and so those kind of features are what i'm excited about and get me excited about and the nft itself is like yeah i love cats i love apes i love all the different mammals I, I do want to get your take here because you didn't want to you didn't want to throw anybody under the bus. What are some projects that you think are doing well? Because from, again, my perspective, I couldn't say enough good things about you guys. But you having the mindset you do, who is doing it well, in your opinion? Yeah, for me, I think I mean, the apes are doing it well in a very different way than us. 
they seem, from my outsider's perspective, very focused on delivering a truly on-chain um, way to get together and fund things that the group, the community kind of values together to have ex exclusive access to really high profile events like the strokes in New York, something like that. Um, that's pretty cool. It's like, it's like truly uh, in line with the whole social aspect that they have. You're flexing, you're, you're getting access to VIP events. It's, it's, it's a good use case. And they kind of are the best model for that, that PFP community kind of case right now. I think where Avagachi defers is we are also kind of a PFP. We launched with 10,000 initial Avagachis. But then once you get under the surface, it's like, no, this is a gaming protocol. This is something that goes beyond just um, access to uh, to a certain NFT platform or experience in real life. It's, it's more about interacting with blockchain and smart contracts in uh, every possible way. So it's almost like edu education or like um learn to earn something along those lines and, and you're having a blast doing it at the same time a, a great example is that interoperability right you're teaching people about what the hell polygon was by getting them to switch over through avagachi so uh, i do want to like obviously we have a long conversation uh you, it's going to be a nice conversation uh here i'm i'm at home uh golden cross is is in a car somewhere we don't want to like dox them or anything but it, we we have enough time where we can just have a a cool breakdown of, of what's going on so give me a little bit of a background here on how you found yourself in crypto and nfts and then we'll make our way uh into like a deeper conversation because you guys are have your hands in so many different things the d5 piece the metaverse piece and you have a lot of good insights there but give me a quick breakdown on golden cross yeah so golden cross my my background um really has been in crypto for about the last seven eight years uh my math is bad but uh, i think that's about right and uh it depends on when you count but like i got involved from the community organizing standpoint where i was passionate about it and I didn't see any way for people to get together and talk about it. So I was overseas working in mainland China and ended up organizing the first like English only kind of meetups there. And actually that was alongside Coder Dan. We met over there, uh, my co-founder. From there, I went to work for digital asset exchanges out of China, some of the biggest exchanges, oldest Bitcoin exchanges in existence. Uh, ZB Group is like the second oldest in China and um, got to work there for a couple of years. And what you do there is, you know, you're doing due diligence, you're talking to different projects. And now we're talking 27, 2018, I'm coming across finally some really interesting projects that don't have ERC-20 tokens. And I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, meeting these guys and uh, they're talking about NFTs. So that was like... What projects? So that would have been, well, the most notable was I got to meet Zach Burks, who was just building out Mintable at the time. And... That was like at the time a very beta version of Mintable that where for the first time ever, you don't have any coding, but you're able to go in and mint your own NFT. And so I'd become aware of uh, CryptoKitties and met some of them and some of that stuff. But um, that was the first time I really sat down and was like, okay, this is very powerful stuff. We're talking about culture on the blockchain. We're talking about a new type of digital asset vertical that has so much potential for use cases whether it's the the art the crypto art and crypto collecting we see today or some of the less shiny stuff like like uh in the b2b side you've got supply chain transparency traceability all of those use cases for nfts were kind of presented to me all at once getting to meet zach and um 
from there, I, w- I actually left ZB to go help co-found and, and grow Mintable with him and just learn as much as I could about NFTs because um, it, it was just much more exciting than anything else at the time. And there was no market for it. You know, nothing was happening on OpenSea. Uh, it was it was just... I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, it was very early. And so luckily through my work at an exchange, I got exposed to some cool projects that started to raise my awareness relatively early. And I've always been very creative, so I always wanted to prefer to be a product guy. I used to work at Lenovo and, and be on the product improvement side there. So basically, once we got going with, with Zach and Mintable, um, I started to get exposed to some of these potential use cases for NFTs and got pretty obsessed with the idea of uh, taking an NFT but putting intrinsic value into it, such as a uh, ERC-20 token. So we got gold stable coins, putting them inside of things called X. This was my first series of NFTs way before PFPs were popular. These are actually like 3D high res gold coins, uh, one of one, five of five, 10 of 10. But they have actual verifiable amounts of these DGX gold tokens staked to them. And so that was the the first foray into my own product design there. And and through that work, kind of reconnected with Coder Dan and he was working on some stuff for an Ave hackathon. And it just became obvious that if we took what he was doing with uh, yield, he was playing around with like redirecting yield to different people you support in the space, taking some of those concepts, taking some of what we learned with NFTs and the intrinsic values at BullionX. And we ended up making um, this, we sat down and said, well, what if we wanted to make a better crypto pet? Like crypto kitties are cool, but they sit in my wallet and they don't come out too often. And um, a real pet is something you would pet every day. You'd take care of it. Yeah. So there comes Avogachi with the, the kinship score, right? If you're petting your Avogachi every day, that's an on-chain transaction and you are rewarded. So we like to say, you take care of your Gachi and your Gachi will take care of you. Yeah. One one lightning question here, uh, Golden Cross. Did, were you like a huge Tamagotchi fan growing up? Like why why Avogachi? Like why Gachi? Is there, you could have done anything. If you're going for a game, you could have made this a, a spaceship game in set in, you know, a thousand years in the future or something like that why tamagotchis well yeah that's a great question i love the idea of tamagotchis i did have a few i also had the other one the digimonster like more battle mode type uh kind of version i was i was in hawaii that was big digimon was huge i had that one you're talking about yeah those were pretty cool and so i put probably more time into those honestly but um that's why the avagachi does not poop like a tamagotchi (laughs) it's not a carbon copy it's just inspired by so we really wanted something that um was when you say the name i mean it's DeFi. it's it's so it's like all right we we're our audience our DeFi people they know ave and we want to gamify Ave. So if it just kind of came out that like, this is basically a crypto pet, a digital pet. Tamagotchi's the most worldwide famous version of that. If we're trying to convey what we are, cute little ghosts, plus they had to be ghosts because we were partnering with Ave and their, their uh, you know, kind of mascot is a ghost as well. So it just kind of all came together with talking to the Ave team and knowing we wanted basically the equivalent, the crypto equivalent, of a Tamagotchi. Okay, we're gonna step into that timeline a little bit of like founding Avagachi around the same time DeFi was really blowing up. I think that's obviously a super important uh, portion of who you guys are. Uh, definitely a, an investment thesis of mine is finding the teams that know how to put in DeFi uh, into their NFTs and not just put it on the roadmap and say, hey, we're gonna add a token someday. It's like, no, that's 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 a, a definitely a 
hard thing to accomplish and you guys do that well. But stepping back a little bit, you mentioned China, you mentioned having uh, worked over there and met a couple colleagues over there as well. What is China's role in NFTs either now and in the future? Because, you know, around that 2017, 18 timeline, those guys, and I would even include 2016, the guys that got in back then, the guys and girls that got in back then understood that China had some role uh, in the altcoin markets back then, right? Tron even. uh, But the NFTs, it's a little more murky. It's like, what is China actually doing with NFTs? Do Do Chinese citizens even know what NFTs are? What do you think China's role with NFTs is now and in the future? That's an interesting topic. Yeah, um, we we invest a lot of energy into the China uh, scene, into that language. Avogachi.com is multilingual now. I think the communities translate it up to like eight or nine languages. So not just Chinese, but all over the world we've got. It's really cool. You just click the button on the side and you can do about about any major language. We, we're getting Latin next. Um, but... <laughs> As not many of, users there. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a surprising demand for Latin on the site. Um, no, in, in China, you know, China is an amazing place, an amazing market. I, I lived there for over eight years and and learned a lot and um, speak the language. Um, and uh, Dan is still there. My co-founder is literally based in China. So we have our, our finger on the pulse of the Chinese market, at least in terms of Avogachi. And they're pretty active. Um, there is a bit of a... I would say, like you mentioned, the altcoin market, they know that market in and out. It's, it's finance. They, they, they do a very, there's like a lot of influence coming out of the, the Chinese players in the ecosystem that affect uh, those markets and, and those tokens. For NFTs, it remains to be seen, but we're investing that time and we're seeing great returns. We've got guilds popping up, translators, community leaders, ambassadors, all coming out of mainland China speaking uh, leading Mandarin programs. So um, we've got full-time staff based in China. Um, We're betting big on it. We think that market, um, despite some of the FUD about regulations and those kind of things, um, once they get into like gotcha-verse gameplay, it's much more intuitive than what we've done so far with NFTs and Avogachi petting that I think they're going to, they're going to love it. And, um, the friction that we reduce with with our new onboarding me- methods for Gachiverse uh, should should play a very big role with uh, raising awareness and, and getting players from China. It's crazy that the NFT projects have had this much success so soon. I mean, in the U.S., we still have education to do. Not not many people. Maybe they're just starting to own Bitcoin here from a normie perspective, but not many people own NFTs. So when you unlock the Chinese market, that's absolutely crazy for your guys's growth. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's why we keep hammering away at it. We've got one of so early on we identified um, uh, she's full time now. One of our teammates who basically has been running the most successful NFT programs inside mainland China. Um, if you look at like uh, Whale, like Whale Group from Whale Shark and that vault for NFTs. Uh, if you look at Sandbox, uh, these are the kind of projects she was helping to get into that market early on. And we're super th- thrilled to have her full time on our team. She's been with us probably seven, eight months now, at least, if not longer. And so it's always a work in progress, but we're at a great place with our, our Chinese community. We have like, you know, over there they use WeChat and you have caps on how many people you can have in one group. Um, I guess you don't want too many people getting together. So there's 500 max to a single WeChat group. And we've got, I don't know, 
half dozen or dozen, whatever, a lot of WeChat groups filled and active and, and her team has basically uh, been doing a great job of onboarding those people. Once the Gachiverse comes, I think that's where the floodgates open and everybody's like, okay, now I can use these. You know, we love games. We get gaming. It's just so much more intuitive. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit of the differences between maybe a Chinese user uh, of NFTs or just crypto in general, how they understand the, the financial side. I know I'm not making it easy for you, but maybe another hardball question here. You have users from around the world. Do you notice any tendencies between a Asian user as opposed to a U.S. or uh, maybe even a difference between a Russian user and a, and a U.S. user or things like this? Do you notice any tendencies between those uh you know, nationality groups? To be honest, I really don't um, see too many big differences. I mean, at the end of the day, currently what we've seen is um, intense activity on the DAO. And the DAO has a multilingual kind of uh, facet to it where we're seeing a lot of, I guess the standouts would be obviously a lot of English, but then you've got the Mandarin, a lot of French speakers, um, actually a, a good uh, turnout from Australia representing. So we are very well kind of, like you say, we're kind of all over the world and um, we have ambassadors in a lot of different countries, but I don't see a difference in the, in the play. People want to take care of their gachi. They want to climb the leaderboard to earn the rarity farming. The one place I would say America in general um, really jumps out is in the engagement and the, the, the interest in participating in the DAO. I don't know what it is, and it's it's not universal, but I will say that some of the biggest stars in the DAO, individuals, uh, happen to be American. They're just very, very active and uh, hands-on with you know the DAO aspect of these projects. And uh, that's not to say there aren't... I, I can think of Vietnamese, uh, Singaporeans, uh, Russians, and, and, uh, and a lot of French that are also in the DAO. But yeah, that's that's one area because uh, I think you're American, right? So we can say that yeah, the Americans got the Dow part down pretty well. So yeah, definitely, I can feel that that sentiment uh, with with like Dow education kind of taking hold here. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to our own community member here and, and one of yours. We always uh, shout out Choina here uh, on on the on the show whenever we get an Avagachi uh, appearance. So I want to give a quick shout out to Choina, Hash Rhymes, Tigbo, Alex, Flubber. Coca. Uh, it looks like Asmodee's here. Fun Uncle's here. So we are live on YouTube right now. You can find us on audio afterwards, guys. It Give us about 24 hours uh, and it'll be on Spotify. It'll be on Apple Podcasts. So uh, shout out to those of you that are listening on audio as well. So let's make our way, uh, Golden Cross, into kind of your, that DeFi timeline, right? 2019, I think is when Avagachi was potentially founded. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but it had a lot to do with this rise of Ave and you guys getting that initial Ave grant and you working within their ecosystem. So tell me a little bit about that timeline and then let's make our way to like present day. Yeah, basically uh, late 2019, we were still kind of working mostly on BullionX pro the BullionX project and uh, learning what we could about what works and what doesn't there with, with this idea of intrinsic value NFTs. And then you fast forward a couple months, there was the ETH Global Hackathon that, that Coder Dan led on and got into the, the redirecting of Ave Yield, got to know the Ave team. So now we're in like Q1, Q2 of 2020. And that's when we felt like we were in a position where we had a strong enough concept uh, to go and pitch to Stanny and the, the team at Ave. And um, 
luckily we got a got a forum with them and it was the right time right place right product they were just like yep we, we know what you've done from the global hackathon we see bullion x and um yeah the it's a sound idea and uh especially early on there like big credit to the ave team for a being open-minded because they could have just stuck on like we're DeFi and DeFi only and um big credit for them to actually get pretty hands-on with us in terms of uh introducing people that could help with giving us feedback on tokenomics and the ideas around the ghst token because we're setting up a bonding curve and we told them very early on this is kind of our vision for a uh, a dao from day one like start with a bonding curve that fairly distributes a governance token from day one uh, it was based off of inspired by a tweet by vitalik i believe in late 2019 and uh yeah stanny was super on board um made introductions gave feedback and um and not just stanny but jordan and the rest of the guys too so that was kind of what was happening there in the uh late spring of 2020 and then we were able to really start searching for who's going to build this with us because we know what we need and that's where like our, our pixel artist lead visionary uh, zbot came on board we looked at a lot of different ways we could go about designing these avogachis but we knew we wanted them to be 100 percent on chain no no reliance on aws servers to remember the artwork not even ipfs because that's not foolproof but we want something with lightweight svg files um, we were pretty inspired by Jimmy's project. Uh, oh my gosh, what is it? Um, the one, the, the, the one. Yes, Avastars, thank you. So that was kind of like, yeah, we want to go that route so that you know you have longevity for these NFTs and it's not reliant on us, kind of takes the pressure off. As long as the Polygon chain exists, these Avogachis in full form you know, will be complete and, and exist. And so that was all kind of happening there in early summer at that point. And then, like I say, we we launched the ghost bonding curve in September of that year and the actual NFTs launched almost. Well, yeah, today's the one year anniversary of Haunt One, the first 10,000 Avogachis. Yeah, I really want to get into the the project now. But before we just hop in there, uh, I did have a question on kind of the DeFi integrations that you see in the NFT space right now. Like what is the thing that nft projects should be looking for when they're introducing an erc20 token from your guys's perspective i know you did a ton of thinking on how to integrate DeFi, and you guys do it amazingly because you have that DeFi background but not a lot of nft founders have that background so is there any recommendations that you would have to to teams out there when they're introducing an erc20 yeah i would say it depends on the motives and um assuming that they're in for the long term they're not looking for a quick buck quick pump and dump type of thing, but a, a legit uh, token with longevity for the community. Um, I think we are still to this day, really one of the very few uh, bonding curve examples of a successful implementation of a bonding curve. So highly recommend people. There is plenty of material out there online about our bonding curve and what we made as decisions on that. Um, we've advised other projects uh, privately about bonding curves than when they're considering whether or not to implement one. Basically, it's just a way to distribute the token. And it's a less used way because, um, well, I guess the, the, the downside is, the critique is it's less volatile because you're actually collateral. Less pumpamentals. Yeah, less pumpamentals, but more longevimentals. So it's like, it's... It's you can just see it in our chart. If you pull up our maximum chart on CoinGecko, you see this stair 
and it's it's just stairs to heaven as we call it so stairway to gachi verse and um that's because the the way it's set up is you actually are putting die stable coins into the bonding curve in order to mint new tokens so they're not minted for free they're not minted like pre-mint and just distributed willy-nilly uh, with backroom deals none of that's possible because it's all coming from this smart contract that we call the bonding curve and um and so it grows very organically the volatility is less but that has other benefits because coming back to DeFi, we recently got ghost listed on the ave protocol so if you go to ave.com and you want to take out a loan now ghost token ghst can be one of your collateral options and we are by far the lowest market cap option on the ave protocol we're the first nft token on the ave protocol and the reason we're able to do that isn't just because, oh, we, you know, had early support from Stanny and, and Ave. Uh, it, it was actually, we had to convince the entire Ave DAO to, to do this over like a six month period and, and put the work in. And the reason we're able to do that is because we have a, a blog out called The Case for Ghost as the best DeFi token. And it makes a strong case and goes into all the benefits of having it collateralized by a stable coin having a bonding curve to smooth out the volatility. These actually make for great things where you're able to take out a loan and be much less likely to get liquidated, right? So from a user perspective, the utility for Ghost uh, actually benefits in so many ways if you're not worried about just day trading. Yeah, this is interesting because crypto is like known as a really high volatility, just industry in general, sector in general. And that might honestly in the short term hurt you guys. Do you feel like that low volatility has hurt you guys? Because really Axie Infinity, I remember hearing about them when SLP just went like 900% and now the you know the people in the Philippines are using it as a way to just sustain their life. But now you see that it's the opposite. You're getting a lot of FUD now from the Axie Infinity, you know, uh, kind of platform there because SLP is so volatile. So what do you think that that's hurt you guys or at all that low volatility? No, I'm so uh, I'm so glad we don't have the problems and the challenges that poor tokenomics or just the other way would have led to. If you have a very sharp increase in interest and then you see the price of the token sharply increase, but as a builder, you know you can't match that kind of er, you know erratic movement. Uh, it's going to lead to people getting hurt. It's going to lead to unnecessary pressure on the roadmap and deliverables. Um, from our point of view, we've been able to just ship, ship, ship different updates, different features, different products, and each time you you do this, you do see like just a nice you know, stair step up in the value of the protocol. And so it, it feels, and it seems to be working that the value of the GHST token is reflecting the activity that is happening on the Avagachi protocol. And it's, it's great because if we had had a huge pop in the price early on some hype about whatever, whatever we dropped in, it, it struck a chord. Um, I don't know where we'd be right now. I don't think we'd be in as good of a place. We have an extremely strong a community that has done very well for itself, whether it's migrating over to Matic early, getting involved in GBM auctions where they actually bid to earn. We just work hard to deliver valuable opportunities to the community outside of the volatility of the GHST token. And I think if we do that, the GHST token is going to take care of itself and reflect 
the success of the protocol. I will say amen to that. I do want to uh, cap off, and I know we're. I like to lay the foundation here uh, for the the actual project uh, and break down. But the last question, I promise, guys who are just waiting for that Avagachi Alpha, uh, is a question about DeFi, right? Like I haven't really done that much uh, deep dive into Ave recently. You know, where they were a big player in 2019, and that is kind of reflective of the DeFi space in general. You know, there's not a lot of sticky users uh, like you just mentioned that stick around. They're, they're sticking for the yield. And then when there's another platform that offers a better yield, they're gone. And we've seen DeFi take a massive hit. So I know you're kind of, you kind of weighed in between both worlds. Is DeFi still okay? Is it, is everything, you know, right in DeFi world? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's, you know, the tokens themselves have had a whole pullback uh, compared to where their highs were six months ago, nine months ago. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we were just talking about, that the hype factors uh, kind of come and go. Uh, but in terms of users, yeah, definitely there's a lot of mercenaries that, you know, you put, you park your capital there, you get the yield, and then you get out. Um, that said, I think Ave still has 20 billion. Uh, they've kind of hovered, uh, put in a nice floor at 20 billion TVL under the Ave protocol. So they're doing fine. Um, they're on multiple chains now. I think they're doing all the right things there. And I still use them, you know, for my own personal um, kind of strategies all the time because the contracts are the most reliable in the space. They're kind of the blue chip where you can sleep well at night knowing you've parked, you know, your tokens in their smart contracts. And so, yeah, you get good yields. Um, and I see a lot of innovation coming from them in particular. Maybe it's not quite DeFi, but it's, again, they're so open-minded that they're looking at ways to incorporate social networks uh, from the lessons they've learned with the Abe platform. So I don't know if uh, the audience is aware of Lens Protocol. It's been announced, you know, maybe a month ago. But um, this is an open-source social network built by the same team building out Ave, And... Um, very, very excited for what that means because anybody can build a so social network on this kind of uh, foundation that they've created. And uh, not dropping alpha here, but obviously it's on our radar to see more ways to make Avagachi uh, part of a social layer of Web3. Um, you see that with our use of badges. Every Avagachi earns lifelong badges. We want them to grow an identity that is your Web3 avatar identity. And if they can reflect that well and in incorporate into some of these DeFi social networks, then it's going to get really interesting here. So um, it's a little murky right now what the final uh, product will look like there, but I see DeFi doing fine. And if Ave has anything to say about it, it's going to be more social than ever. Yeah, I love that integration there because we, we've seen the rise of DeFi. We've seen the rise of NFTs putting those together and then adding a social impact uh, there as well can really like just bolster uh, all the projects that, that are kind of building in the space. So love that. I want to be super cognizant of someone who has no idea of Avagachi, uh, but take, so we, we talked about haunt one and you guys starting it. Let's, let's have like a two year or a year kind of like, I guess overview, but make sure that it's not too quick for those people who kind of want to know about Avagachi and what you guys have been up to. And then let's make it up to present day. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, a year ago, uh, the first NFTs, the actual Avagachis dropped. As I mentioned, the, the bonding curve went out in September the, the year before. So that was the bootstrapping and, and growing the, the core team to, to begin the project. And um, so a year ago, we launched Haunt One, 10,000 portals. The cool thing about an Avagachi is it's 
you don't just get an Avogachi. They're randomly generated using the Chainlink random number generator. That Oracle is kind of the, the gold standard for transparent uh, randomness. So we hooked up with them very early on. In fact, I believe we were the first Polygon project to use them when they moved over to Polygon. We were kind of waiting for the Chainlink VRF Oracle to come over and then we were ready to go. And so um, what you get is you get a portal. And I like to think of it as like a deck of cards. So if you're collecting cards, same thing. You get the portal, you can keep it closed and collect it as is. It's an NFT. Or you can open it, engage with the chain link random number, and you will be randomly generated actually like 10 cards. You get 10 Avogachis inside. And um, from there, you look through all their different stats. They have six random traits, uh, personality, brain size, all these kind of things. And they're all on a bell curve, of course, because bell curves are awesome. And um, yeah, you end up in a position where you have to take one home. The other nine are going to poof, disappear forever. So that's kind of the catch is unlike a normal pack of cards, you only get to keep your favorite card and the other nine will be gone. And so at the end of the day, if every portal was opened, Haunt One would have 10,000 Avogachis. But the fact is there's a lot of portals that have not been opened yet. Uh, probably because these are Haunt One and people want to keep those as a kind of collectible in and of itself. You know, an unopened portal is kind of like the ultimate mystery. I think the rarest one was just shown in a gallery in Hong Kong, and it was uh, token ID number two. So, you know, a very, very low token ID, which matters to collectors, and it's the lowest one that is yet to be opened. So somebody opened token ID one, but that one's out there, and um, that one's going to be kind of a, an ultimate collectible here for, for time to come. Um, so that's how you get your Avogachi. We did that. We did it through a... Um, the first launch was kind of first come, first serve. Like there was a NFT drop. That was kind of the model at the time. And one of the things we realized early on is that wasn't very fun. Like we had a community at that point that was already six months mature. And we were unable to equally distribute to everybody because even though we did put limits on how many you could buy at a time, we still ended up in a situation where even me, I was unable to get an Avogadro. They sold out in 60 seconds. And um, so that, that led us on a journey of improvement and thinking about how NFT projects distribute their NFTs. And that's where we came uh, to link up with the guys at GBM. So GBM uh, is, you can go to gbm.auction. That's their website, and it kind of lays it out. They are a normal English auction, except with this smart contract tr uh, uh, kind of, um, what do you, it's like a, 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 another way to think about it. And it is basically you get money every time somebody outbids you. That's the GBM auction. So we call it bid to earn. So you bid 100 for an Avogachi hat, and I come in and I bid 120. You committed your capital in real time through a transaction on the smart contract. Now you get it returned to you. And because it's on Polygon, these transactions are reasonable. It gets returned to you along with a percentage of what I outbid you by because my capital was committed in real time. So this is a really, really popular uh, solution that we've introduced by partnering with them and um, would, would do it all over again. We're so happy. Basically, every NFT distribution since that first one has used the GBM auction. And uh, it's always a blast. You get these three-day auction windows where everyone's bidding on, you know, whether it's the second generation of Avogachis or some different wearables, but all of this is happening um, with the 
idea that you can actually earn money just for showing up and participating. At the end of the day, whoever bids the most, of course, gets the NFT. They're happy, you're happy, and uh, it's an exciting event. So um, that was one of the many things we've done along the way. We introduced staking so you could stake your GHST token and earn friends points. And these friends points are another way to approach a, a fair distribution of NFTs. So these are our long-term holders or they're locking up a lot of ghosts. It would go to reason that they would have a good chance to win exclusive NFTs. So some of the Avogadro wearables, you can't buy them. You can't just win an auction. You actually have to get lucky and stake some ghost and hope that your ticket is the one drawn. Uh, again, we use Chainlink to, to verify that. So, um, yeah, these are just some of the things we're playing with over the last year. There was a second is issuance of Avogachis because demand was too high and prices were outrageous. Now there are a potential 25,000 because the second haunt was 15K. The first was 10. Uh, but many portals are unopened. I think there's 17, 18,000 Avogachis in total. And um, that is all controlled by the DAO. So the DAO has ultimate responsibility to decide the inflation rate or the total supply of Avogachis. How do you view that? Because we see like projects like Board API Club, for example, going the mutinate route where they wanted to increase supply to drive down a little bit of that price and let people in. Is it, How do you feel? Are you, you guys are just going to continue to have these haunts where more gachis are introduced into the ecosystem? Or is there a theoretical cap? Uh, the theoretical cap is that we want everyone in the world to have an Avogachi someday. So that could be four, five, six billion, wherever we're at now in 2022. Um, so that part is something I think we're explicitly different in, in that we don't want to just be this uh, 10K PFP type of play. We want to say, look, if you're a collector, haunt one, you're good to go. You've got the original 10K. But if if there's enough demand, especially with the Gachiverse coming out, where we're going to need lots of players, then when the time comes, you'll see it reflected in the lending rates. If it's just too expensive to even borrow an Avogachi, it'll be time to introduce a third generation of Avogachis. And um, the DAO has total control in the amount it inflates, how often it inflates, and even uh, maybe how it inflates. Like The second one basically was similar to the first, uh, different amount, 15 instead of 10. Uh, there were new collaterals introduced. There were new uh, collectible eyes. Their eyes have rarity, so some ultra-rare eyes that were only exclusive to Haunt 1 or Haunt 2. But we could see more changes in the future, I'm sure, to reflect whatever the needs are at the time. And um, you know, uh, Now that Ghost is listed on Ave, um, that's kind of the prerequisite. Every Avogachi is funded by Ave-listed tokens. Um, I'm just waiting for the day we get Haunt 3 and we get some GHST-themed Avogachis. It's like Avogachi, you know, Inception. So looking forward to that. <laughs> Love it, man. So we kind of laid it, we kind of did a gr good breakdown. I think we laid the foundation, of course, for the, for the project. And then you kind of gave a quick breakdown of Avogachi in general. For the people that are more experienced, for your community members now that have been around for a while, let's get into a little bit more in-depth on what you guys have coming right now. Gachiverse is part of the thumbnail that we have for today. You guys released a like 15 second little hype snippet uh, of a trailer that's coming out. Basically, your Gachiverse is about to launch. Give me a full primer on what is to expect. This is the good stuff. All right. <laughs> no, this is exciting. We're just so thrilled. We've grown so much in the last year. We have about 35 core team members on Pixelcraft now, 
all dedicated to maintaining Avagachi.com, but also building out the Gachiverse. And that includes hiring veteran game developers, up-and-coming game developers, game economists. Everybody's all hands on deck to deliver a metaverse that is not cookie cutter, not something that, um, you know, you'll know it's Avagachi when it's done, right? It'll be true to the to the brand and to the protocol. So as on-chain as possible and and uh, innovating where possible. So this this metaverse, I always describe it as imagine like 1994 Legend of Zelda, like hand dipped in a little bit of um, acid or microdosed in LSD, however you want to call it. So it's it's like a vibrant, uh, colorful world that is kind of our dream state for the Avogachis, their spirits, right? So this is where they go home. This is their homeland. And um, there's a whole lot of lore. It's like a DeFi RPG. So we are really embracing it in those terms and trying to build out something that is almost like a new genre. Like it's a mix mash of, of genres and gameplay you maybe are familiar with, whether it's Clash of Clans crafting, Minecraft crafting, or some of the kind of melee battle stuff like a Diablo inspiration with the MMORPGs. We've kind of pulled all of that together to create a cute, approachable, but rather rather deep uh, RPG experience. And that comes into, you know, every trait will affect your game, your Avogachi's performance, every uh, item that you equip, all your wearables, those have different uh, use cases and powers. And um, at the end of the day, you're, you're trying to earn and gather four different raw elements of the world to use them to craft rare NFTs. And um, so it's really truly DeFi in the sense that your land parcel has pre in the in the contract, it has a bunch of ERC20 tokens deposited inside of it. And the only way to extract it is to hook up a farming NFT and, and start harvesting those out. So um, that's kind of where we're going is you're going to have three ways to play to earn. You're going to farm it, you're going to explore it and battle. And then you're even going to do a new one that I don't know if anybody's, we had to make it up. It's called channeling. And this is a social, kind of that social layer. I'm going to call you Nifty Q and say, let's get together every Friday at 3 p.m. in the Gachiverse. And we're going to do our little uh, ritual together at my lodge. And that's my guild. And it's, you know, it's a five-person guild, but we're going to get together and do the ritual. The more people that get together, the more Alchemica, uh, these Kaleida Earn tokens, are going to rain down on you in real time to gather up. So it's like a rain dance, and it's raining money. <laughs> yeah, Al- Alchemica, we've, we've, we've touched on DAOs and communities, and a lot of people call them cults. Alchemica channeling, to me, I was reading, I was like, this is a cult. This is a cult here, though, and we're earning tokens. Um, people... Uh, talk about like adoption and the, I guess, hoops that people have to go through to get introduced to NFTs and all this stuff. I think it's a little overblown uh, when it comes to like the actual, like, I guess, difficulty. So when you're thinking about adoption, uh, especially within the gaming kind of ecosystem here you have four different tokens uh you you know you got fud alchemica there's a couple others uh but how do you make that into something digestible for a new person right because again i think it's super overblown gamers go through a lot of hoops to learn about an ecosystem you know they're questing they're learning about all these different assets they can do it but how do you make it uh something that can be digestible for them yeah it's gotta be something they want to do and so that's why we want it to be a casual experience that has layers of depth. So 
when when the game launches, it's designed to be so approachable. If you have no ghost tokens, if you don't even own an Avagachi, it doesn't matter. You're going to go to the website. You're going to click on borrow a gachi and get started. And literally, there's going to be a list of Avagachis that you can borrow for free. And you're just going to uh, choose the one you want with the player attributes uh, that you want. You need 0.001 Matic to pay the gas fee, and then you're good to go. And then, boom, you're dropped into the world, and right away it's extremely intuitive. You're running around seeing Alchemica popping up, and these are the four different tokens. Uh, so you see bright reds, bright greens. These things are popping up on the surface of the game. It's basically Pac-Man. It's not hard. You start running around trying to get them before other people get them. And it's a bit of an Easter egg hunt. So if you've ever done that, then this will feel like home. And then after you do that, you might feel like, okay, that was that was cool, uh, but I want to get into the crafting and I want to start actually making a home here and increasing my yield. And that's where you can come in and say, okay, we got a really cool crafting table we've yet to release. I think we're just a few days away from pulling back the curtain on that. So you guys, uh, you know, we have a, a trailer dropping. We're going to show a lot more footage of gameplay uh, and how you craft. A lot is to be revealed in the coming days, but it's very, very uh, built to be intuitive. And, um, you know, you're going to be crafting all sorts of these NFTs that help you generate more yield or are really cool collectibles or just decorations for your parcel. But you'll have a lot of uh, a lot of things to craft and build. And then when you throw in the cult stuff at the end with the channeling, yeah, I mean, some of these guilds might actually come up with their own prayer or some sort of ritual. I'm, I'm just joking when I say that. Like, all you got to do is be present, push a button, and we're all together. It, count, it, it does a head count and says, okay, this guy showed up with like 99 Avogachis for his uh, channeling session. We're going to make it rain. So there's like a multiplier effect. And then we're just running around scooping it up together. It's it's going to be a party. Yeah, for those of you who've been tuning in to the Nifty Q show for a little bit, you understand the importance of guilds within these play to earn ecosystems. But Golden Cross, I want to kind of get your take on how guilds work within the play to earn industry in general, but specifically, of course, within Avagachi. You have this really cool channeling piece, but how important is it for an individual to get involved in a guild within Avagachi? Yeah, we definitely um, have like f user feedback from the community they want a strong solo adventure so if you're not social and you want to be able to play and just uh, play to earn do your crafting upgrade your parcel that's absolutely fine you will do very very well enjoying that but um there's definitely something to be said where you're kind of leaving out that final social channeling aspect and so if you can get together and like i say whether it's a a very formal guild or whether it's just a loose network of friends you craft a lodge you host a party and you you once a week can get together in that lodge and have this kind of rain dance of alchemica so uh, beyond that there's inside the lodge you have decorations you'll have a bunch of things to kind of make that your home so there's a ton of things you can do for that clubhouse type of experience um, but i think ultimately the game is versatile enough that you can do it either way. You can be a lone wolf or part of a bigger community and do well. But I would say uh, I totally agree with you that guilds are really a key part for any of these Web3 game uh, uh, games coming up. And that's why we spent a lot of time talking to guilds that are already established and taking their feedback and their notes to develop the Gachiverse. When we thought about those uh, social aspects, we didn't want to just uh, make it up on the fly, right? Like there's already people out there doing that. 
So we've had great conversations with the likes of Blackpool or Yield Guild. And these uh, these guilds are on board with us. They already have partner parcels within the Gachiverse. And um, their feedback, though, is is hopefully going to show in the final product. Because really, we are built to kind of... Like, we heard about their pain points. Like, there's a lot of overhead. There's a lot of management. And that's part of what came out with Gachi Lending. It's like, well, let us take care of that for you. You don't have to do any of the background checks and the, the kind of bureaucratic layer. Let's make this trustless and just like your Uber app. And so that's what we're trying to do now. Um, between that and the lodges, I think the guilds are fairly happy. In fact, just today we published chapter three of our Gachiverse Bible. And this is our kind of, instead of a white paper, we have a Bible because the design doc just keeps going. And so we broke it into chapters. The one that dropped today is very um, much related to guilds and how to channel. So as I talk about this, if you're curious, just go to blog.avagachi.com and you will definitely uh, see that there front and center. Uh, chapter three talking about the guilds and um, we're getting feedback today from the guilds on what they see published and, and generally it's all very excited and they're, they're I think they see where this can go as a it's designed to be able to scale scale infinitely so that's that's what we want we want everyone to have an avagachi and to be part of at least one guild <laughs> that's amazing I, I, I want to talk about that piece you just hit on at least one guild we had a good question come through from gachi bulls uh and the, the quote is they said you could join multiple guilds depending on your avagachi level which i want to kind of frame in the way of how do you stop maybe gaming of your your mechanism you know there's always going to be somebody out there that's going to try to to outsmart you when it comes to the tokenomics here is there any way that somebody could game this where we just take a hundred people and we move from piece to piece and the multiplier just drops alchemica from the skies and right you kind of game it that way we've spent a lot of time thinking about these exact questions because if you don't think about them then absolutely 100 you're going to get uh situations like what you just described so to gachi bull's question like that's exactly why we have a cap on your Avagachi and how many guilds it can be a member of at any one time. And when we talk about guilds in this, you know, you may be a member of many guilds outside of the Gachiverse, but we're talking about within the game, how many lodges can you go to and do the social channeling? And so if you have, you know, your Avagachi can earn XP and, and level up. And so if you're a level one Gachi, you can only join one guild. But if you've earned enough XP and you're a level two Gachi or a level three Gachi, uh, suddenly you can unlock more and more guilds to to join, more and more lodges to be a member of. And um, ultimately, I think it works out to a cap of seven. So theoretically, if you had a high high enough level Avagachi, you could at least do one social channeling per day. But that's going to take a lot of work. I don't think there's an Avagachi in existence that has obtained that that level yet. So when the game goes live, no one will be able to, to channel... Um, socially every single day interesting i, I, I want to talk about guild mechanics uh with pvp here and and avagachi pvp of course somehow i always like package two questions in a one and i appreciate my guests for hitting both uh when, when they answer but from a pvp aspect how are you looking to that in avagachi and then let's just hit on that one i don't i don't want to package this one let's let's what are you thinking about with pvp uh within avagachi with pvp okay so this is one of the cool things we experimented with early on is we realized we want to have a, a safe area where people can do their farming and their so social stuff in peace 
that if you look at our big map on our it's all over our twitter and stuff is called uh the citadel and this is the kind of the safe harbor so you're in there you're running the dow you're 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 having meetups you're farming it's all good then um uh in q2 of this year our target is to expand the game we anticipate having kind of filled in the citadel with players and activity and all that the next step you could almost think of it as a sequel is the grid this is everything beyond the citadel and this is where we get into the pvp so you're out of your kind of friendly fires not allowed area now we're on the open range and we introduce a new character called the liquidator l-i-c-k like because he's he's got a cute really big tongue like a like a cute puppy and this is the arch nemesis of the avogachis and um, this is another big uh innovation in our toolbox for um expanding accessibility to web3 we know that a lot of people uh want to have nfts but don't want to pay or uh, can't afford it simply and so outside of the lending which will be live on day one um, when the grid goes live, we'll be introducing a new character, the liquidator, and it's not a, not an NPC character. These are going to be controlled by people. And so you can take the other side of the adventure and these are one time use NFT playable avatars. And you can hop in, basically airdrop in and do battle to try to get as much Alchemica as you can get it back to the save point before an Avogachi tracks you down and, and, uh, you know, gives you justice. So the the liquidators are going to be a really fun PvP way to uh, to set things up and and kind of uh, mix things up on the grid. And if that's not for you, just hang out in the citadel, stay behind the border walls, because it's going to get wild out there. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to get real wild. I will be one of the liquidators. I'll tell you tell you first thing. PvP. I was in WoW. I was the guy that would like get high level and then go back to like very base level barons where you could just merc a level five character who's just trying to make his way so i will be a liquidator but how do you look at pvp between guilds uh because that's that's something obviously pvp is like not even built out at all within the nft space uh right now but eventually you're gonna have the ability to have guilds uh and then tournaments and things like this are you guys kind of giving that any thought yeah let's see i mean there's so many ways that they will compete whether it's in the the treasury of their lodge right the members can actually it's almost like a um a dao in that sense in that you're you're sharing a treasury and then you're allocating what you want your your guild to to build out uh so there will be like um different types of installations or nfts you can place on your parcel that might be limited in number or limited in window and so they're they're limited edition and the guilds maybe will be the only ones in some cases to compete for those limited edition nfts um another example might be um simply we have an area called the arena where we really emphasize the pvp this is besides the grid this is where gachis the one-time gachis get to have a little fun and battle each other and there'll be tournaments and all this kind of thing that happens there so you'll you'll bring your five best from your guild and do like five on five basketball equivalent um and then there's also just this idea that um districts inside the citadel they're actually districts in each district literally is a sub dao a micro dao and what that means is you have guilds kind of currently today they're blocking off areas inside the citadel as theirs right they've either won it in an auction or they've won it in a raffle and they are kind of marking out this is our district we're going to have a lot of influence in this area 
And that's cool because we're building in features where they'll be able to actually affect the aesthetics of that particular region of the Citadel. And not just the aesthetics, uh, that's the lamppost, the, the names of the streets, all that kind of stuff. But also it could lead to, um, for sure, other types of uh, competitive races have you, uh, where it's almost like Wonders of the World or something along those lines. If you've ever played Civilization, like only one of us can build Statue of Liberty, that kind of thing. So we'll, we'll see where it goes, but um, that's just a, a few of the ways that the guilds can kind of get uh, some team competition going. Yeah, we're running up to the end of the episode and Golden Cross, you dropped a lot of information. I uh, definitely want to get any last info as it regards to chapter three that you guys just dropped uh, of this Bible uh, blog post. Uh, I also had a couple other questions here that I wanted to get to. So you guys had Gax as part of this this release as well. What is the importance of having that kind of Dex essentially? Yeah, the Gax is the Gachi alchemica exchange so it's basically a dex uh imagine something like a fork of uniswap uh something like that um that will be just set up and running to support anyone that wants to uh trade their alchemica tokens because we have four we have the fud fomo alpha and keck four wonderful tokens and if you're trying to craft something and i'm trying to craft something different maybe there's an opportunity for us to just exchange our different alchemicas uh, or maybe I have a lot of ghost in a, or any other token and I'm willing to uh, pay to get more instead of play. So then I can always do a token swap. So it will facilitate a lot of those things. The most notable part might be the way we're approaching fees. This is going to be more approached as like a non-profit DEX. And the fees are going to go back into supporting the economy of the game. Because when you look around the space from a theoretical standpoint, there's very few ways to generate real value from from nothing and the exchanges are kind of the one exception if you think about it they they have they are benefiting from real economic activity in the form of a fee and so you're not just moving the the chairs around on the deck as the ship is going whatever way instead you're actually like a real legit uh profitable business and so we want to attach that kind of profitable um product into the Avagachi protocol. And I think it's going to do be a good, big contributor for sustainability of the Gachiverse, of the Avagachi protocol, and, um, and it's going to be just a great tool for users to easily move in and out of different Alchemica tokens. So initially it'll be launched with pairs with Ghost. You'll have like FOMO and Ghost, um, Keck and Ghost, and, and we'll help to bootstrap some of that initial liquidity. And from there you'll be able to farm um, the glitter token, which is the main token for being an LP on that DEX. And the uh, glitter token has its own set of utility we haven't even been able to go into. So we have five tokens coming out in total. I do feel bad. I do feel bad for new users that want to get involved. And I, and that's why I asked you about the adoption question of how do you make it all digestible? But uh, I think you guys are doing an amazing job. If you're listening at home and you're new to the NFT space or you got to find which project to get involved in, find a team that understands the things that uh, Golden Cross just talked about, the DeFi integrations, the actual economic value talks. And I just want to piggyback what you just said in why you needed a native platform. And it's probably an easy answer. Uh, you probably wanted to add some, again, economic value. But what's the importance of 
having it be native? Because you could have just linked out to Uniswap and said, hey, you guys can swap in here. What's the importance of it being native to your platform? Yeah, I mean, the key is it's such a valuable tool to have for any protocol. And we do think of Avogadro as a protocol. It's an open source, community-owned NFT gaming protocol. And so when you think of that, probably should have its own decks and it would just go so far on polygon like we we're not saying you won't be able to trade these or we won't support them on quick swap or sushi swap some of these other dexes but um definitely having the dao we're talking about the dao not pixelcraft the dao be able to distribute its own maintain its own decks that makes us in the gachi verse game much less reliant on any outside factor whether they're getting you know, good or bad. And so we want to be able to have that uh, stability and assurance for the community that these will always be able to trade here. Maybe they'll trade elsewhere, but at least in the game, uh, you've got a simple swap mechanism to uh, to support you. Love it. Golden Cross, drop any other information you've got. I've got some lightning questions from the community as well that I want to hit on. Argoob is saying, will we be able to take a wearable crest off of a lodge if we win them in a GBM auction and move them to a different parcel that we own? Or is it attached for three months? So deep question there. Do you have the answer? Um, yeah, I need to double check on that one. That's a very specific <laughs> question, but it's a good one. Um, so basically, when you have a lodge, you get to equip a wearable to it as the crest. And so I say, hey, I've got the Fireball and the Fireball Lodge. And for the next three months, it's secured as I'm the Fireball Lodge guy because there's bids on who gets to have what wearable attached to their lodge. So I'm the Fireball Lodge guy. If I was to quit, say, four weeks in, I don't want to be the Fireball Lodge guy anymore. Um, I'll double check on that. I would imagine you you should be able to relinquish it early. Yeah, there, there's it's just a smart contract call. I got to make sure it's in there. And so good good due diligence there from from the community. Absolutely. Uh, we got a couple more questions coming in, but I'll let you kind of break down any other uh, information you have uh, as it regards to, to Avogadro here before we get some last community questions in. You know, it's it's an exciting time to be on the lookout for our trailer dropping in, in, in any day now. And then um, we will also be, uh, there's a reason for that, right? We're, co- we're close to the release of the Gachiverse. So, if you haven't looked into it, now is a great time to uh, engage with our Discord, our wiki, wiki.avagachi, blog.avagachi, and just follow along. Check out the Gachi Bible. Uh, these are fun reads. They're intended to be fun but informative. Uh, they can seem like, wow, this is pretty deep, but um, that's the fun of exploring Web3, right? We want to explore these things together and see you know, what's really possible on-chain. And um, yeah, just be on the lookout. Gachi Lending is going to change the game. So all complexities aside, if you just want to hop in with an Avogachi and pick up some Alchemica and get that stuff into your favorite wallet, uh, you're going to be in for a a, a really good time here in, in just a few weeks. Awesome. Golden Cross, you laid it down today. Uh, I want to give a last quick shout out to the community. If you have any more questions, we have to get them in. We've been here almost an hour now, uh, so we definitely want to uh, let Golden Cross on his way, uh, wherever that may be. Uh, Crypto Abstract, Gachi, uh, Bulls, DJ Wisdom, Digits is saying I hated people like you in my reference to that uh, uh, World of Warcraft segment there. Uh, but hey, I had a personal question here. And I'll ask this community question first, though, because it just came through. And Gotti is saying launch date. Do we actually have a date for the Gachiverse launch? We're dates away from a date. <laughs> We're days away from a date. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll just have to wait in the wings for that one. Uh, this is a personal question. As I've gotten more involved in the metaverse, I'm, I am a sandbox landowner. I obviously we're in the NFT space and we've been here for a minute. Uh, so a little bit of a deep question here, interoperability of assets within the metaverse. At first I thought, okay, we're going to start to like see all of these assets kind of meld together and they're all going to be within one plot. You're going to see a gachi and a, a sandbox and a alluvium all together in like one place. And the more I made my way down the rabbit hole, the more I understand how hard that actually is to like code specific assets from each game into one game essentially what what do you make of interoperability of assets is it even kind of possible in this like next five-year timeline yeah i think when people think of interoperability they think about what you just described and it's it's totally possible but it takes a lot of integration work it's not like oh we're both on the same blockchain therefore we can just jump into each other's worlds because there's a lot of other you know uh uh, infrastructure there. So it's totally possible, um, maybe not in some cases, but in many. And when we talk about interoperability, it's already happening though on that kind of, where are they all? If they're all on Polygon, then we're interoperable in the sense that we can all be on the OpenSea Polygon. Or we, as running our own NFT marketplace, the Avogadji Bazaar, we could onboard other NFT projects and let them trade within our bazaar, right? So those are kind of like the the easier, more realistic interoperabilities here up front, right in front of us. There's also the reality that the economic incentives to merge worlds right now isn't really there. Right now, this phase of the market, everyone's trying to build the best world or experience or metaverse they can and hope to establish, you know, um, dominance and like have uh, have a certain momentum. So maybe down the road, uh, it could make the tables could turn and it'd be like, you know what, we need to put more of our resources into getting into that world over there or having people hosted in our world over here. Um, so I think it's just a, a situation of timing and, and where we are in, in the market uh, is still very, very young. So we're still in that Cambrian explosion of NFT projects and all that. And there'll be a consolidation period somewhere down the road. Um, where you will start to see that interoperability that's desired. And, uh, and I think Alluvium, they still need to launch anyway. So they they got to. <laughs> All right. I, I hold a little bit of ILV token, so no FUD there <laughs> as it's related to Alluvium. But, okay, so if I really, like, you know, made you answer this question, like a Ready Player One universe that you we see in that movie, when does that exist? When, yeah. do, when do we see that, 10 years from now? Well, if it's the VR and the AR and all of those other elements, yeah, it's probably... Your guess is as good as mine, maybe 10 years down the road. But I like to make the argument that the metaverse is already here. It's just, it's very fragmented and it's not what you think and see in the movies. It's not the Matrix. It's not Ready Player One. It's, it's we're on Discord and we, we've just in the last few years got a key ingredient here to make it a reality, whereas it's digital property rights. And that's what it all comes back to with these NFTs and blockchains securing these things. We're not reliant on a third party or a company. That's just like the the thing, the ingredient that was missing for us to be able to actually build the metaverse you described. The difference between what we have today and a Ready Player One is mostly, I think, the aesthetics and the the way it's experienced. But it's it's actually the primitives are there now, and so we'll 
we'll try to realize some of those and streamline them on the Gachiverse. Before this call, uh, me and Golden Cross were saying that it would be 30 to 45 minutes. We're up on an hour now and more. So I will let you go, man. Uh, last question I had from the community before I do let you go. And it, it ties into uh, the conversation we were just having. Does uh, And this comes from Crypto Abstract. Does Avogadro plan on buying a penthouse in World Wide Web? You know, I just saw their latest update about being able to decorate and uh customize your different apartments. And I should have mentioned them. The World Wide Web is uh, very focused on being kind of that place where all the NFTs can uh, interact with one another. And they integrated Avogachi uh, about a, about two months ago, and it was really, really pleasant. It was very, very nice. So that's a cool project that is the team is definitely heads down and building out some awesome uh, concepts. So maybe we do need to get a penthouse. Who knows? All right, guys, this was a great conversation uh, with Golden Cross, co-founder of Avogachi. Uh, they have a lot of cool things coming. We were waiting on a date for a date of the the Agachiverse release, but a lot of good alpha here uh, that we had on the episode. We are going to wave bye uh, to you guys. We're here every Wednesday and Thursday on the Nifty Q Show. So uh, we will see you guys tomorrow. Uh, Golden Cross again. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you so much.